Alright, welcome to the inaugural edition of the Renegade Pop Culture Podcast. This is your host, Kiona, and uh, with me are Mike and Josh. What's up? The two, the right hand and left hand of the website. How's it going? As they say. (laughs) Okay, so what are we here to talk about, guys? Are we here to just kind of introduce ourselves to the audience? Yeah, I think I think this uh, this should be our opportunity to introduce ourselves. It's just it's just fire from the cuff. Sounds good to me. All right, so uh, here at Renegade Pop Culture, we cover movies, we cover games, we cover TV shows, and we cover comic books and music. Um, do we have any favorite genres, guys? Honestly, I kind of like a little bit of everything. Ah, it's a cop out. That is a cop-out answer. Well, okay, well, I'll, I'll get a little bit more specific. Um, my two favorite genres in terms of, um, like, in terms of uh, movies and television and comics and stuff, I, le- I lean more towards, like, the sci-fi, sci-fi uh, fantasy. My second, my second mm-hmm. favorite genre, though, is, like, cri- is crime dramas. Oh, cool. Mm, yeah. Interesting. I don't think I knew that. Oh, all right. For, well, Josh? For me, I would say my favorite genres, um, I, I would definitely say more of the film noir detective kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. In particular, the works of Shane Black or um, Ryan Johnson come to mm-hmm. mind cue the angry star wars fans i am so sorry we've already lost part of our demographic there i'm sorry guys <laughs> uh, and I, I would also say uh, go see knives out everybody yeah please do it needs it i mean seriously like check it out on digital or on physical media if you're still into physical media we're not sponsored by ryan johnson but no we, no we, we are appreciate not appreciate it uh but he did he did like one of my tweets once so I was like, "Hey, you know, there you go." You lucky bastard! Uh, <laughs> you got wit- you got witnessed. But I did. I did. Senpai noticed me. I'd say another favorite genre of mine is probably the um, probably the the action adventure, which is pretty funny because if you know me personally, I write a lot of intimate dramas and character building stuff. So yes, yeah. At the end of the day, you just you, you just want to see a good action movie. Yeah, that's my definitely. thought on it. Oh, something mm-hmm. else I probably should have mentioned up front that I am a pretty big fan of animation. Everything from same, yeah. Every, everything from like obviously the like the Disney Renaissance films are the stuff I grew up on. Um, but I also I also love a lot of like new like current series. Like my favorite thing right now is uh, the new Ducktales reboot. And uh, DC's Harley Quinn. Mm, I, I've seen clips of that, and I've loved what I've seen so far. Yeah, it's pretty good. I think I saw maybe the first couple episodes, but then I didn't have time to catch up on the rest. But yeah, it's it's good from what I've seen. Yeah, if 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 you were one of those people who loved the Birds of Prey movie, I and mm-hmm. haven't seen Harley Quinn, now now is a good time to you know, check out the first season. Yeah, because the first season just ended, I believe, fairly recently, right? Like, maybe last week, even? Um, yeah. Uh, either last week or, or two weeks or the ago. Week before. Yeah. 
Okay, cool. Um, and then as for me, uh, I like, well, I'm a big sci-fi fantasy guy. Um, specifically, I like cyberpunk, um, which kind of ties into the whole film noir thing in a way. And um, I like superheroes, love superheroes ever since I was a kid. Um, and a lot of animation. Um, some anime, but I'm not like a huge anime fan for some reason. I don't know why. I just haven't really found the right one since like Cowboy Bebop. That that was like the be all end all for me. Um, but you know that and Akira, Akita. Um, I still need and to see uh, what else? You haven't seen Akita? No, my, my I have a oh, friend wow. that has been kicking my ass. Like, why haven't you watched that? I, I oh, I've been dude, meaning to see to, it um, yeah. for the longest time. Just yeah. Really got oh yeah. To definitely, it. check it out. It's like life changing. I don't. I don't even know. It's amazing. Um, okay. And uh, oh, and I'm a big fan of professional wrestling, and I've gotten back into that since uh, since maybe a couple years back, maybe late 2018. I want to say, um, because as a kid, my grandfather and I used to watch it a lot, and uh, it was just amazing. So good, good times. You know, just fun. Um, what else do we like? <laughs> um, as, as what far about as comic books, guys, what about comics? Um, are you com- guys into that? Comics, I, um, I haven't been an active reader in in a while, but mm. um, I lean mostly towards DC comics. You know, I love my Batman. Same. I love my Superman. Um, Dick Grayson who was the former Robin and now Nightwing is my favorite comic book character of all time. Second to Green Arrow. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. These are some good picks. Yeah. What's like your favorite comic story? Ooh, good question. Hmm. That's a tough one. Um, I don't know about story, but as far as like a, um, like a complete run, I would say um, Judd Winnick's run of Green Arrow is really good. I gotta read that. I, I I still haven't gotten into Green Arrow in the comics. I've only I've only got a passing familiarity of it through the the CW shows, and from what I understand, that is not so much what Green Arrow's like in the comics typically. Mm-hmm. So. I'm I'm really curious how that's gonna go, like how that reads. Yeah, Green Arrow is more of a in the comics. He's more of a like politically kind of kind of like a liberal in comics. Supposedly, uh, is how they tried to package him in the seventies. Yeah, and then I don't know if it's still that way now, but um, it he's probably he's probably not as like um explicit um mm-hmm. in the like in the more modern comics, but. This like the seventies is when his like that that's when his classic personality was, you know, developed. Yeah, and he and uh, he and Green Lantern always used to go at it, and have political discussions in their comics. From what I understand, I wasn't around in the seventies, so I didn't read those issues. But I did. Um, you know, it's it's like it's Denny O'Neill, I believe, was the writer, and Neil Adams was the artist, or something, or at yep. least in Green Lantern. So. But know about Green Arrow, though. Watch all the comments. People are going to be like, ah, you're wrong. Uh, okay. Kevin Smith was the best Green Arrow writer. <laughs> uh, 
on, on that. Like, hey, he used spoiler in his run, so <laughs> give him props for that. I, I'm I've been really getting into comics a lot lately. Like it's been mm. ridiculous I, with a lot of the stuff I've, that's happened with me lately. I've had a lot more time to read rather than watch movies, and I sure I've been just so enthralled with what Nick Spencer is doing with Spider-Man lately. Like he has been. I believe the writer for Spider-Man for ever since a, a couple years ago. Yeah, I oh. think so. And yeah. he, he's basically been doing, I like to think, damage control for Dan Slott's entire run for the character for years. <laughs> I've, I've heard very polarizing things about, about what Slott's done. He, he's either a yeah, you love same. him or you hate him writer for Spider-Man. And mm-hmm. I'm... Of course, when people say that, they say, I'm in the middle. But I say, he, I, yeah, I'm in the middle. I like some things. I hate some things. But almost everything I've seen of Nick Spencer has been really good. Like, he brings back the fun in Spider-Man and actually moves mm-hmm. the characters forward in a really, I think, in a really good way. And I'm not, a, I still haven't gotten my fair share of Spidey continuity. I bought mm-hmm. my girlfriend Maximum Carnage and... I felt really bad because when we both started reading it, we were like, oh my god, we are totally lost right now. <laughs> but um, That was because back in those days, they didn't really have like, you know, six issues as a complete story kind of a thing. They just, they had a bunch of plot threads and just ran with it and saw where it took them. Yeah. And, and like, for example, one issue in, in Spencer's run is literally about... Um, uh, 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 Spider-Man's roommate, who I believe is Boomerang, or something. Hmm. I one of the lower tier characters that was in like a little villains group with Shocker and the female Electro, I think. Somebody, and uh, he owes money to the Kingpin, and the only way he can do that, he can get it, is by going to the bar with no name and uh, huh. taking Peter with him, and they end up having. Uh, Peter sex no not sex but they they end up competing in a god damn it crystal well there goes our pg rating yeah there it goes but they, Wait, that's okay but they ended up uh they ended up uh, playing <laughs> spider-man trivia at the bar with no name and of course peter is slaying everybody because of course he knows everything of course of course and it's it's just such an oddball, fun story. And it feels like something that could only happen with modern Spider-Man. Now they have, now they have J. Jonah Jameson running a, um, a podcast. Hey, a fellow podcaster. Oh, there you go. The, the true facts here. Yes. Yep. Well, very interesting. Um, Yeah, I mean, Maximum Carnage, that was a storyline when I was sort of out of reading Spider-Man, so maybe I should go back and revisit that too. Because I don't know that I've ever read that. I I think you're going to love what Nick Spencer's doing. They're... He he's been doing really good, and when he's yeah, not given yeah, Nick Spencer. when he's not given the the short end of the stick with crossovers, mm-hmm. he's he's made some very good stuff. But aside from Nick Spencer, I feel like I've just been praising. I've just been a Spider Man factory right now. But my favorite <laughs> my favorite comic book character in general is Blue Beetle. He yes, the you're Jaime talking Reyes about one? the Jaime Reyes. Jaime yeah. Reyes, yes. 
I, I, I bought all of the stories that I could of him as soon as I found out who his character was. And I have, he's just so inspiring to me and I connected with him so mm. much. He's basically my Spider-Man, just in that sense of how much I related to him, how much I understood him. It, it, it high recommends are his entire 2006 run with mm-hmm. Keith Geffen and mm-hmm. yep. John Davis. No, not John Davis. Somebody else. And um, the the rebirth arc that recently wrapped up, it, it got canceled, unfortunately, but they brought back yeah. uh, one of the one of the past Blue Beetles, which is Ted Cord as kind of a mentor figure. Oh, that's awesome. And See, that's what they should have done the first time around, but Ted was dead. In fairness, the, what they did with the, with with Ted as a legacy character in the original one, it kind of creates a sense of, like, that added danger of being a superhero where it's like, man, you could do yeah, that's this, true. but what happened to the last Blue Beetle? I think Paco literally says at one point, you know, Blue Beetle's dead. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. It did kind of add a whole element of, like, well, are you sure you want to go down this road? Because... You know, you might end up like Ted. And yeah, that, uh, that's that seems like a pretty dark approach to to legacy characters. It was. It's a dark approach, but it's handled really respectfully. Although there is one funny panel where there's a funny thing in like I believe the third issue where Jaime is doing research on the Blue Beetle because the scarab's mm-hmm. telling him like, "Hey, you're the Blue Beetle now." He's like, "All right, let me see what happened with the other ones." All right, Dan mm-hmm. Garrett, mm-hmm. he had powers. He's dead. Okay, Ted yeah. Court didn't get powers. Let's see what happened to him. Yeah, and then Ted Court like, didn't oh. use the scarab, I believe. But either he didn't, or it was because he didn't want the power. Or... or he didn't want it, yeah. Something like that. He's like, hey, maybe Ted Court has something. And the next panel's him just pulling a disgu- like a scared face. Like, oh, okay, never mind. Not so lucky. All right, so Mike, you got any particular ones other than the ones that you've already stated? Um, for any particular stories, I should say. Um, the the one I, the one I usually recommend to people is this uh, weekly series called Fifty Two. Oh yeah. Um, if it for those who don't know, it fills in the gap between um the end of infinite crisis and all the one year later stuff they did mm-hmm. this is what I, what I love about this it's 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 kind of like that simpsons episode um like 22 stories about springfield where it's like yes. where it, it uh focuses on all like the like the lesser known characters in the dc universe like mm-hmm. so batman superman and wonder woman are are you know off doing whatever they're doing and so this real, this was this was like really a like a really good introduction to um, characters like Adam Strange, like uh, like Black the Adam, question. Uh, the Question, Bat, um, Batwoman. Yeah, Batwoman. That's right. I think even like Detective Chimp was in there. Because um, Grant, yeah, Grant I, Morrison I, loves that. Yeah. See, that's that's the other thing I love about it. Like it's. It was it was written by like all all like the best writers of like at that time, like you had yeah, Jeff, was Jeff, like Jeff Johns, Greg Rucka, Greg Rucka, Grant Morrison, Judd Winnick. Um, 
I think even Keith Keith Giffen was Keith involved. Giffen. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Man, it's been a while since I read that. I really need to catch up on my Grant Morrison. <laughs> <laughs> well, he brings in Detective Chimp and a, and a few other uh, crazy characters, so, you know, See, that's, that's Grant. My Grant man. Morrison uh, knowledge is only of All-Star Superman, which I read once, and I mm-hmm. I haven't read in a long time. And the fact that he created, or not created, but at least was a writer on Doom Patrol, yeah, and Flex yep. Mentallo, which yes, m- me and my girlfriend have had arguments about how it's pronounced. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> excuse me, you talking shit? Yes, I am talking shit. What? <laughs> I'm, I'm saying that Flex Mentallo is how you pronounce it. That's oh what they god. said in the show. Anyway. Oh and uh, oh and an Arkham Asylum, <laughs> a hidden house on hidden hell, or something. I, I feel like we need to get Crystal in on this podcast. Like, yeah, that, she, that's she what needs to be our our, uh, our third co-panelist. Yes, here you go. Yeah. At some point, Crystal, you're going to be on this podcast. Yeah, you have to be on this podcast. Aren't I already on it? No. <laughs> well, technically, you, yes. We're going to have you technically on here, like in a real <laughs> in a physical capacity where your voice is actually heard and you're going to be able to okay i'm making this sound way worse <laughs> <laughs> you could have just said like actually yes okay you get it see this is who josh is he's oh the type God. of guy to overanalyze literally everything everything <laughs> i tell him oh I'm, I'm having a good day and he's thinking oh no she's 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 depressed. Mm. Oh no, mm. she she, mm. she she got bullied in school, and oh no, I need to find every single detail to every single thing. I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is great radio. This is great radio. Yes, this is what we need. This is great podcasting here. Um, okay, so let's talk about let's let's see here. What about my stories? Okay, so I'm gonna say probably the greatest comic book story I've ever read in my life is probably the Dark Phoenix Saga by Chris Claremont and John Byrne. Just because that is, it's classic X-Men. It's what kind of got me into X-Men. They had that awesome like animated adaptation in the 90s with the 90s X-Men cartoon, which frankly really did a good job with it um, considering you know the constraints of, of being a Saturday morning cartoon show. Um, and I think that like just in terms of the artwork, just in terms of the story and the tragedy of it, it's Shakespearean tragedy, but for comics. And that was Chris Claremont for you. I mean, the guy was a genius and the artwork was spectacular. And, um, yeah, for me, that's like probably the top of the top of the heap. Um, I would say also... Okay, I, I'm a sucker for this, even though I'm sure that some people might not be, might not consider it like the top of the thing here. But I would say for me, it was like in the '90s, Batman Nightfall. Just I, because I, I love I love Nightfall. That was, yeah. that was um, when I started collecting um, trades back in yeah. like 2012, 2013. Nightfall mm-hmm. was one of the first ones that I um, that I bought. I got volume one for Christmas and I, I picked up like the next two, uh, mm-hmm. like shortly after. And man, was that, that, that 
No Man's Land and the Bruce Wayne murder murder um, Bruce yeah. Wayne fugitive. Yes, those those yes. are like those are probably like the most satisfying uh, Batman stories some... to to read in like one sitting. Yeah, those are quintessential Batman stories. I think. I mean, there are others, obviously, but you know, like Dark Knight Returns is another one. Uh, Year One is another one. Um, I mean. But just in terms of the impact of the books and just in terms of like, you know, the era that it came out in, I would say that those are some of the best. Um, I love No Man's Land, by the way. I just, I freaking love it. I, I like, I bought the novelization by Greg Rucka and I read that also and Ooh. I love that as well. Um, let's see. Oh yeah, so Dark Knight Returns. That's another one. That's That's one that I would consider like top top five of all time I, w- I would put year one like um above that mm-hmm. um pre- well one is because i i think i like the art a little bit better mm-hmm. and two it i i think it's just a better a better story you get to see um like a really tight origin of how um batman came to be mm-hmm like uh, on the art sense, David Mazzuchelli is just—I love Frank Miller, honest to God, I really do. But David Mazzuchelli's art is on a whole nother level than True. him. Like, yeah, uh, Mike, have you ever read Daredevil: Born Again? I haven't, but it's um, is the same is the same artist on on that one too? Oh yeah, yeah. David Mazzuchelli is—that's his best art that I've seen mm. from him. And, but I agree, year one, it's taken me a long time to come around on this, but year one, so much better, so much more concise than Dark Knight Returns, and I love Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. It's just classic I would agree. noir. I would agree, I would agree. Um, I think for me, Dark Knight Returns kind of has the edge on it, just because for me it's kind of nostalgic, because I got that. I got that book when I was like maybe seven which is not a good time to be reading dark knight returns maybe (laughs) it's arguable but that sort of became my batman because that was like the really like super intense kind of you know brooding dickish batman and uh i think that i don't know to me that's that's who batman sort of is so there's just like something about that kind of long time uh legacy suit batman just learning mm-hmm. to like come to terms with the world around him in dark yeah. turns and in yeah one just kind of get the feeling that he's just brooding just he, he's got all this aggression and he just kind of is left alone in his thoughts more than anybody else yeah true say, say what you want about frank miller's later stuff but for those like in those two stories like you really he really gets like sort of the essence of of what makes batman batman mm-hmm. and it's it's obvious that like ev- pretty much every writer since has been taking cues from those two books yeah there is one thing of recent frank miller that i don't know if you guys have read but it's genuinely Ow. just amazing uh, it was one of the ending tie-in issues to dark knight 3 the master race which why are there five books in this in this series but 
that's beside the point. Um, Are you talking about the the Golden Child? No, it, although that one's. Oh no! Is that one about a uh, 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 Dick Grayson? Or, or Jason? No. Okay. It no. was uh, in Dark Knight Three Master Race. At the end, there was all at the end of each issue. There was always a little sub story. Oh. And for the most part, drawn by Frank Miller about what's going oh, on gotcha. in the story. And at the very end of the very last issue, it was called World's Finest Number One, and it was Superman talking with his daughter. And, you know, she's she's saying, you know, why do you choose to help the humans? Why do you choose to, you know, be among them when you know you're so above them? Mm-hmm. And the whole issue is Superman celebrating just the beauty of human life and how much of a pleasure, how much of a, of a privilege it is to be amongst them, to protect them. And mm-hmm. it is, without a doubt, probably the most inspirational that Frank Miller has ever been. And it's not cynical at all. Wow. It, it was the thing that made me excited for Batman for Superman year one. And then I read it and I liked half of it. The Superman year one with uh, him writing and John Romita jr. Doing the art. Yeah. Um, I actually, I got the first issue signed by John Romita because I met him at, um, at one of the conventions in Hawaii oh, nice. um, before I left. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to meet him. He was super, super cool. And I asked him, uh, how's it, what's it like working with Frank Miller? And he, he, he laughed, he <laughs> laughed at first. And then he was like, and then he was like, oh man, it's great. You know, um, <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Um, but you know, it was just a moment. But yeah, John Romita is super cool. I even got to meet Chris Claremont one time, so that was super cool. Um, just, you know, yeah. These guys are, they are the legends of the field, man. And they're just like, I don't know. It's 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 being in the presence of of these like titans of, of the industry. So for me, that was pretty, that was pretty cool. At the, at the last uh, New York Comic Con that I went to back in 2017, I think, um, mm-hmm. I met Neil Adams, and um, and I got him to sign um, the like these like li- limited edition collections of of uh, his like his run from the 70s of Batman. Oh, dude! So that that was that was pretty cool. <gasps> That's awesome. Ah, oh, that that's so cool. Yeah. Though, though I'd admit I'd probably be really I don't know if I'd be in, in like a jerk or anything. I would totally have him sign a copy of Batman Odyssey. Ooh. And ask him to do <laughs> and ask him to break down what happens. <laughs> oh my god, Josh. <laughs> There goes my goodwill with the comic writing the <laughs> artist. <laughs> he would probably like he, he would probably at first just be like, wow, you know, somebody's actually asking me to sign Batman Odyssey. <laughs> and then you'd be like, so what, what was going on? <laughs> it's like, well, uh. See what happened was. There, there was a whole bunch of cocaine. 
Yes. And that yes. just kind of steered the train. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are we rhyming? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So we've been talking comics a lot. So let's talk about um let's talk about movies right now. So if I had to ask you off the top of your head, favorite movie, what would you say right now? The Prince of Egypt. Interesting. Okay. Um over over the years I've rest, I've kind of gone back and forth between The Prince of Egypt or Back to the Future as like my definitive um favorite movie of all time. And the more the more it kind of sat with me, the more the more that The Prince of Egypt kind of um like took that number one spot because to me it kind of it kind of has everything that I love in movies. Mm-hmm. It has, in my opinion, Hans Zimmer's best uh, best score. Um, it's a musical, so it it definitely wins me over there. Um, mm-hmm. To a lesser degree, it is kind of a superhero movie. I mean, if it, kind of yeah. I yeah. mean, if you if you really kind of if you consider the Book of Exodus. Um, a superhero a superhero story to some extent yeah to an extent yeah, yeah I, I can see that, that yeah. um and also you know given my love of animation like the like the animation in this movie is is just gorgeous oh yeah the animation was amazing at that yeah I, I did a whole video about the cinematography of that of that film and the prince of egypt is just a shiny example of animation. I I still get chills when he puts the staff in the water and then the oh, yeah. blood starts to seep and just the shot of them parting the, like parting the sea and you see the whale in the background through the lightning strikes. Oh my god. Yeah, it just see like seems like that and it. the and the burning bush are are just mm-hmm. my two uh, favorite uh, favorite moments of that of that movie. Our, view, our, our listeners can't see it, but I just got chills just remembering it. That's awesome, man. <laughs> That's a really good choice, actually. Okay, Josh, what about you? Favorite movie of all time? Go. Uh, Django Unchained. Ooh. It is a. Uh... It's a very personal one. For a long time, it was Pulp Fiction, but then at, mm-hmm. the, at the time of Django and Chain's release, it was just like, "Hey, I discovered this filmmaker, and now he's doing this. Uh, now he's doing this. Uh, this is a Western thing. Oh, I am following this." And I literally followed every piece of news back in 2011, of conception to casting to shooting to first looks. I remember I replayed that first trailer, like ad infinitum, you know, just on loop. And then more and more, more footage was starting to be leaked. And then I, I somehow managed to get a hold of the script early, and because that's and back then Tarantino scripts always leaked, but it was always mm-hmm. like well into the production before the Hateful Eight debacle, and um, 
I read it and I loved it. I was like, wow, I'm getting to see what it's like making the movie. And I loved the script. And I remember Christmas Day, my parents were going to take me. And I was so excited the night before I didn't sleep. And I watched The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And I listened to the soundtrack, just ready for it. And then I went to the theater and I probably had the most unrealistic expectations of it. But I'll be damned if it didn't meet my ridiculously high expectations. Mm. Getting to see what made it in the film, what didn't make it in the film, what he replaced. And on top of that, just how well done it was, how great it was, how fast paced it was. And just how how, I I, I could go on for hours and I'm not going to, but it is... Mm -hmm it's one of my favorite movies and it is my favorite movie because it just felt like the first time I ever really got to follow a movie through its production. Mm-hmm. Fun, fun fact. Um, I think around 2013 um, Vertigo released a, a graphic novel of, um, of Tarantino's original script. And I have, I have a copy of that. Um, of that collection it's it like it's a it's a great a great comic um oh my god it's so good and the, the seconds that you know that aren't in the movie it's like huh like like uh with, with scotty the the guy that buys Broomhilda, and how Broomhilda ends up in Candyland. that was my favorite part of the script and i remember being so sad it wasn't in the movie but getting to see it live on through that Oh, it was a dream come true. Hmm. Very cool. Very cool. All right. What about you, Kiona? What about me? Okay, so this is going to be kind of a kind of a weird choice, but I would say the film Serenity, and not the one that just came out with Matthew McConaughey, but the one that Joss Whedon actually directed um, back Ooh. in I want to say two thousand. Was it 2005 already? Yep, 2005. Holy crap. Oh, my God. Um, geez, I'm getting old. Okay. So, but yeah. So the reason for that is because I came around to, and I'm a big Joss Whedon fan. Um, first off, I should say that up front. But I came around to his stuff through, actually, through, like, early morning reruns of Buffy the Vampire Slayer on FX in, like, the early 2000s um, at, like, 7 a.m. in the morning just watching like random episodes and then just kind of falling in love with that whole that that show just right there and um also through his work in astonishing on astonishing x-men which was the comic book series that he did in about 2004 for marvel um where he wrote kitty pride like she was a freaking boss and i gotta say like that that just that comic was amazing um Anyway, so I loved his dialogue and I loved the banter between the characters. So I just kind of, you know, at the time they were doing the run up to Serenity releasing in theaters and stuff. And I hadn't known about Firefly or the fact that it had, you know, just like a terrible run on Fox, that they buried it uh, ratings wise. And that basically, you know, this was like the last thing that they were going to do with with the characters and everything. So um, they were rerunning the entire series on Sci-Fi, Sci-Fi Channel. And I remember just watching the episodes and just immediately connecting with everybody on the cast in at least some way. 
and that's so rare that like you have an you have a TV show with like an ensemble cast and you like every single character in the cast and every single actor. Um and I watched all the episodes when they aired it when they aired them and I just I fell in love with that show and I fell in love with everybody on the show and I just ended up going to the theater and seeing the movie and it was, you know, crazy and and bold and colorful and just and witty and just and damn it it was heartbreaking it was like that final you know that final act of the movie was just heart-wrenching and i don't know for me it worked i know a lot of people were like just devastated by that and it just like you know it kind of it it marred the movie for them like they they i don't know that they'll they'll uh like it as much as i did but and that's fair but um for me it was just it was a it was a great continuation of the story and it was a great like set of characters and it's just something that i don't think i'll ever see again in my lifetime where just the dialogue was perfect um the score was amazing um the acting was great and i just i don't know i loved it so that to me, it, it had been Empire Strikes Back for a long time in my life. That was my most favorite movie, but I think that that movie actually dethroned it for me. Um, just because, you know, I, I, they they had changed Star Wars by that time. You know, George Lucas had done the whole, like, Han, Han actually, or, like, Greedo shot first, and then Han killed him for, for shooting at him. And uh, and then you had Mal sitting there, and he just he just straight up shot guys. And I was like, you know what? That's my Han Solo right huh. there. I don't know. I, I don't know. That was just how I took it. But anyway. So, yeah, for me, it's Serenity. And not the recent one. Because I understand that that one was not very good. If anything were to beat out space fantasy, it would have to be a space western. So that's very fitting. <laughs> that's true. All right. Okay, so the last thing in the trifecta would be video games. Um, before before we get into that, um, sure. Does anyone have any uh, like specific favorite uh, music genres? Ooh. Crap! I feel... Well, for me, I like uh, I like rock basically any kind of rock. So yeah. Um, I'm pretty open to that. There's new metal, baby metal. Um... Yeah, not baby metal. <laughs> well, there goes the every type of rock. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, you got you got me there. You got me there. Um... I will not do the baby metal thing. I'm sorry. I just won't do it. Sorry, Jim Bacon. I know if you're listening to this, you're gonna be mad at me. But uh, yeah, okay. So for you, it's a. Uh... Pretty much most uh, most rock. Um, I'd, I'd say uh, classic rock, but uh, I'm mm. really starting to come around more to like um, R and B uh, and even rap. I say in the most bland way possible, but um, <laughs> no, like I, I'm, I really love things like just off the cuff, you know, stuff like Aerosmith, Van Halen, Elton John. Um, and Marvin Gaye and even Usher and Wu-Tang Clan. 
public enemy. Just, yeah. What about you, Mike? What are your favorite music genres? Um, it's gonna be metal. Well, yeah. Gen- generally speaking, <laughs> I I lean more towards the he- like the heavier stuff. Um, mm. My favorite band is um, Trivium. They're like a thrash Ooh. metalcore uh, band from from Orlando, and they're awesome. They're nice. going they're going on tour uh, with Lamb of God and and Megadeth um, this year, and I'm hoping I can go to at least one of those shows. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of like my favorite genre. I like I like the more heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. But then on the flip Same. side, I I'm also a big fan of the Beatles, of Simon and Garfunkel, mm-hmm. uh, Beach Boys. Um, so I kind well, I kind classics, man. Yeah, I I, I kind of go back and forth um, between the various genres. I I had I had at one point um, like a hip hop phase. Um, you know Wu Tang Wu Tang Clan. Um, a lot a lot of the the Chicago um, hip hop artists. Um, I I do I do like early early Kanye West. Late registration, I think, is his his best work. That that was the album I list I listened to probably the most. Um, and a, like a, a really interesting new band that kind of combines like pretty much all the genres we've talked about is a band called Issues. They're they're like a progressive metal band, but they're you know heavily influenced by R and B and and modern pop. So I would advise everyone to check out their album. Um, beautiful oblivion sounds good it's... and then we can all say we've got issues <laughs> yes that's that's your dad joke of the podcast right there be warned there, there will be there will be plenty of those there will be a lot of those yes we're, we're gonna lose so many listeners to them <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll get like negative listeners We'll get negative listeners. Yeah, yeah. We'll be the only ones listening. But no, um, it's okay. It's okay. Our audience will find us. Those who appreciate dad jokes and and uh, and and comic books will will enjoy us very much. And metal. And metal. The me- yes. the metal the metal heads will come flocking. <laughs> and they'll hear my joke and they'll be like, Ah, screw this guy. What do you guys think of Tool? I like them. I don't think they've ever released a bad album, ever. Yep. Yep. It it, it took my my girlfriend a while because she got she really loves Tool and she got me into it a little. I'm still warming up to them. I really like what I've heard so far. Schism and Lateralis. Mm, Lateralis is, yeah, probably one of the one of the most intelligent metal songs I've ever heard. Yeah, you could even yeah. call it metal. I've heard people call them alternative. I I honestly just call them Tool because <laughs> be, because they're they're so they're like you can't you can't put that band um, in a box 
they're they're kind of they're kind of like deftones in in that regard yeah yeah, yeah. I, they're a genre unto themselves i have a really I, I have a really really funny story about tool so early in my relationship with my girlfriend i was in an audio video class in high school and mm. um they i would you know i would sneak in every now and again ditching class admitting me to edit some stuff and um at the time my audio video teacher was showing the students uh music videos oh, to gosh, um showing music videos to like give the students an idea of telling a story visually no, this is, this mm-hmm. is a and story. crystal oh, her name's crystal she said um you know yeah, i have an idea she's 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 recoiling and cringe right now because she knows what it is and i'm actually mad at you what was the what was the song with the what was it she played right into and just how twisted and weird that that music video is and halfway through my teacher was like wait what and there's like a whole bunch of like weird nudity going on and and he was like all right we're gonna go ahead and stop that and she ended up leaving the leaving the class just literally shook to her core like oh my god i forgot that that stuff happened and the the class was full of like freshmen and sophomores well i mean they get you know well, well, we won't sanction that on the podcast, although that might make for good audio. <laughs> That's a joke, everybody. <laughs> we're not murderers. No, we're not. Yet. Yeah, yet. Yeah. This is a renegade pop culture. Dot com. Yes, I know. The funny thing is, Crystal's going into the medical examiner field, so she'd know how to make it look like an accident, too. Oh, there you go. Hey, that's that's your setup right there. <laughs> Crystal, we're going to get you on this podcast one day, I swear. You can go fuck <laughs> she was saying that more to me, not you guys. No, I understand. I understand. That, that could have been could have been misinterpreted. No. Um, all right. So do we want to do uh, more of that? Favorite bands and that sort of thing or? Um, I have, I have a few, a few names to toss out. Um, mm. tool, tool is definitely one of them. Yep. Um, I mentioned trivium. Yep. Of course, of course we can't, we can't talk about metal without, without talking about the big four Metallica, oh, yeah. Megadeth, yep. Anthrax, yep. Slayer. Yep. yep. Um, there, there's, there's so many that, I, that I've listened to throughout throughout like my um like ever since i kind of fell in love with the genre um it's it would be impossible to list all of them uh oh can't forget about dream theater um one one of the first like one of the first big um progressive metal bands that you know was my gateway into bands like periphery like it like Mm -hmm. issues um like all, like all those, um, like those heavier progressive metal bands. Yeah, yeah, very cool. On the Have cla- you had a band? 
On the classic side, of... there's um, uh, okay. wait, what band? No, I was just gonna say, have you heard of a uh, of a band called Alestorm? Alest, oh yes. <laughs> Not Hailstorm. Although but, I do love, I do love Hailstorm. But... I love Hailstorm, but Alestorm, which is probably my favorite band of the last maybe ten years or so, because they're just amazing. Scottish pirate metal for the win. Yeah, that see that's that that's what I love about, about metal. Like, yeah, obviously metal metal itself is you know a subgenre of rock, but yeah, but heavy metal has its own like wide array of subgenres that like oh, yeah. If if this was all I ever listened to, I would still never run out of of new bands to check out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. Um, I would say for me, it's it's gonna be like you know uh, Metallica, definitely. Um, like you said, Tool is another one. Alestorm for me personally. Um, Radiohead is one of my favorite bands of all time. Good um, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, early stuff to later stuff because I think even their electronic stuff was super cool. Um, and uh, you know they've they've gotten me through some tough times. I gotta say, like like listening to Radiohead was always just like it it helped me in some strange way. I always say like Tom York is kind of my life sage. So just his um, hypnotic voice. <laughs> and of course, he made the music video for Lotus Flower, where he was just dancing all around and stuff. And <laughs> that was like that that was cool, man. I was like, you rock, Tom York. Keep going. Um. Huh. You know what is like a really interesting sort of genre is like. Have you guys ever seen like on YouTube like they have those kind of cyberpunk ish sort of like eighties sci fi inspired, like, like new age retro wave kind of stuff. Uh. That sort of sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, like I've I've seen some of that, and I just I I don't know. Some of it I like. Some of it I like. If it's more like, if it's more like there's an actual band playing it, then I kind of like it a bit more. But yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there and a lot of quality stuff. So I'd, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty open to it unless it's baby metal, <laughs> <laughs> or if it's like, um. What what are the name of those guys? You know those guys? <laughs> that those that guys. boy band? That the, those guys, you know those guys? They're really famous Stan, right now. Oh, um, BTS? Yes, yes. Okay. Okay. This is going to anger so many people, but I hate that. I have a friend that's never going to listen to this now. <laughs> well, two Okay. Nice to know you, friend. But no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Stephanie, this isn't an attack. This isn't an attack against you. <laughs> no, I'm just really snarky sometimes, so it comes out every occasional. It's just occasionally our never-ending war against South Korea. I almost <laughs> said North Korea again. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was that ballistic missile alert that I lived through when I was a Starbucks barista. Oh yeah, and it came through, and everybody was just kind of sitting there going like, "Uh, well, it's a good thing we're gonna die doing what we love, which is grinding coffee beans." And serving them 
in plastic cups. Nothing like, you know, working a nine to five and just thinking, you know, it's funny that a possible nuclear missile isn't going to be the worst thing that happened today, but making that unicorn, <laughs> making that unicorn frap is. Hmm. This was actually after the unicorn frap, or was it before? It was, it was one I of those. I think it was after. I think it was after. I think it was after. That was like our punishment for coming up with the unicorn frap. <laughs> okay, there go all my Starbucks listeners. All my old Starbucks friends are just like, bye. No, they're nodding. They're like, oh, he's right. Nah, they're probably nodding. Yeah, they're probably... I know most of them are. Um, I I would probably say put bands to throw out there. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a hard mm -hmm. left with some of these. Um, Go for it. I'm, I'm gonna throw out uh, the Black Keys. Which Ooh, yes, are, yes. Like I, I swear, I I discovered them while re while writing a script a long time ago, thanks to a friend at the time, and I I have loved everything that I've heard from them. Turn Blue is probably one of their most underrated albums, and Ten mm. Lovers is one of their most underrated songs. It is mm. mm -hmm. so so good. I loved when they got weird for that one album, and they came back with, I believe, a new mm. album not that long ago, like a few months ago uh yep i don't know i don't know but their their single so. low high is just a nice return to form using what they the weirdness and psychedelic nature of turn blue with the um w with their classic like garage band style mm. it's, it's a very, it's a very solid track yeah mm. uh who else who else um i'm i'm gonna shout out um a guy that I knew in passing, as in I met him once, and then I found out, oh yeah, he's famous now, uh, Khalid. Ooh. Uh, he he actually graduated a year over me at my high school. Hmm. I, I remember just being like caught off guard. Like we went to prom, it was just like, oh hey, let's shout out our student who just graduated. Here's a song location, and I actually. I, I'm sorry, Khalid, I don't like location that much, but I turned around on it. But he's got some other songs like Young, Dumb, and Broke, which I like to consider that the new teenage anthem. It's just so catchy and so loose and fun. And he had a song that I'm actually surprised didn't get enough airplay, which is better. It's just one of those perfect, like, you're cruising around at 3 a.m. kind of songs. You know what I mean? Where almost everything's closed and you just want to see the environment around you and you're just mulling your thoughts and then you have this slow R&B song playing. Hmm. It's good for those very quiet, melancholic moods. And that's if you're into that sort of thing. I am all about the quiet, melancholic mood, my friend. <laughs> all right, so okay, let's see. We've done. We're we're almost at the hour mark here, which is pretty cool. Good job, guys. Thank you. Um, so let's do one last thing, which is video games, since we're we're kind of covering pretty much everything that we cover on the website. So let's do video games last. Um. Any particular games you guys love, or any particular ones that you're kind of hooked on right now? 
I'm actually not really that much of a gamer, but I mm. there there are there are a few classic classic games that I played like when I was younger. Games like Crash Team Racing, um, Mario Kart. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was a big fan of um, of like the street like the Street Fighter games. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, as you know, as as someone who's who um, who loves Dragon Ball Z, um, one of my favorite games um, when I had. When I had it for the Wii was uh, Budokai Tenkaichi Three. Oh, nice! Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, yeah. That 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 game I I used I used to play for like hours. Um, yeah, I remember that. That 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 was a fun one. The le- the last like I guess modern game that I played was the fir- the first uh, Injustice for PS uh, PS Three. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I like the Injustice games. They're good. Very good. <laughs> I guess that's another comic book re- recommendation too. Um, Tom yeah. Ta- Tom Taylor is. Oh, I haven't read those. I have Me not either. read it. Yeah, I I kind of want to get into it, but there's so much. I, I've, of it. I've read I've read like the fir- the first year, and it's it yeah it's amazing. Yeah, this is what I've heard. I I've heard nothing but good things about that about that book. All right, Josh. Any uh, games you're playing right now, or I'll admit, right now, not at the moment. A while back, I mm-hmm. bought Death Stranding because I yeah really wanted to support Kojima, and it looked really really interesting. I really wanted to play it, and I bought it back yeah. in November, and I haven't even popped it into the PS4 because oh man, at the time I was trying to be considerate for my father-in-law. And I saw that uh, he was playing some games, and he was like, "You know, you could have just, you could have just put it in and played it at any point." And now he's playing The Witcher. So. Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> as far as like other games, I'm really into. Um, I w- I would say uh, I'm really more into more story driven games, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like uh, The Last of Us, which. Yeah. Oh my god! I <laughs> one of the few games that's made me cry. Yeah. Um, Same. I was Paper Mario: The Thousand Year Door, which is mm. my one of my favorite RPGs of all time, if not my all-time favorite. My girlfriend got me into Undertale, which, when you get past the cringy fan base on Tumblr and Twitter, <laughs> it is probably one of the most intricate games I've ever played. With despite how simplistic it looks. There's something really fascinating about how the gameplay and how you play it just changes everything just by the base structure of it. And going off of that, uh, my other favorite game, one of my other favorites is (laughs) Super Mario Sunshine. (laughs) Well, hey, Super Mario Sunshine, man. It's it's a classic. It's a classic of the genre. That was... Oh, definitely. That was my very first uh, GameCube game. Uh, yep. My my folks got me the the GameCube, and I remember playing it, and I could never get past the first level. And then when I beat that very first thing at the airport, I was shocked. I was like, "Oh my god, there's more game!" <laughs> and uh, finally, The Wolf Among Us is 
mm-hmm. tied with Max mm-hmm. Payne three with like some of my favorite stories in general, and just, just the that was really, really good. The cell shade environment of that neo noir fairy tale nightmare, and just the co- yeah. the the painkiller drunk dreary uh, yeah style of of Max Payne three. It, it they're they're just unparalleled in my opinion and i'm so mm-hmm. excited for wolf among us too me too i was surprised to even see that trailer come up because it's like you know telltale and all the troubles that they've had recently and then you just see that kind of at the game awards when they played that trailer and i was like wow i can't believe we're actually getting it and I had just played through the first game because I, it took me a long time to get to it. I was like late to the party on that one, but it was really, really good. So yeah, I'm glad I was getting a sequel. I've heard good things about The Wolf Among Us, and I'm ha- I'm mm-hmm. happy for fans who are yeah. getting getting a new a new installment of that. Yeah, I, I have a friend who just like loved Telltale solely for The Walking Dead, and she was like, "Man, I'm so upset that they canceled." Uh, the the walking dead's last season i've been waiting for this for months and I looked mm-hmm. at her and said have you tried waiting literal years to hear a shred of news for a sequel i didn't <laughs> think so <laughs> it's one of the joys of being a gamer man and yeah what can i say that's that's how it is um for me personally um I would go with, I, I would say that for the next game I'm probably going to pick up is Doom Eternal. And I still have to play through Doom 2016. Like, I never really got through the whole entire game. So I have to do that. Um, I am shocked. I know, right? Yeah, I just, I, I don't know why. I just, like, ran out of time or something or just got distracted by, like, <laughs> other things. I don't know. But anyway, so, yeah, we're definitely going to have to finish that game because that game is awesome. And the soundtrack is gold, man. Like that's that's the thing that I love about those games is that like just Doom Eternal. I can just watch the trailers and just watch like from a couple years back that performance that Mick Gordon did at um uh the the Game Awards thing, where he just like yeah it that that was amazing. That was such an amazing performance. Anyway, so Doom Doom Eternal. Um, I would say probably okay cyberpunk 2077 is one that i'm looking forward to um the final fantasy 7 remake is definitely on the radar i i need to play that like asap as soon as it comes out um and last of us 2 yeah last of us 2 um because last of us 1 is a masterpiece as you said josh and um i would say that I'm also looking forward to Streets of Rage 4. I know that's kind of an indie game and, and what have you, but I think that Streets of Rage 2 is probably my favorite game of all time and is probably the game that got me hooked into gaming way back when, <laughs> back in the day on Genesis. Um, yeah, it's that, I don't know. It's it's a side-scrolling beat-em-up. It's not rocket science, but at the same time, I just love the purity of it and I love the fact that you know, it was like Final Fight, but it was better because it was a little bit deeper. Um, for me, anyway, I just I I think that game is awesome. Um, and of course, you know, there's there's other games and stuff like we got to do a gaming podcast because frankly, I I just want to go back and look at like lesser known games like Gun Valkyrie and like Panzer Dragon, 
um and like skies of arcadia i gotta try because down, like skies of arcadia that, that's a yeah. hard one to find yeah yeah um there was a game on gamecube called beautiful joe which was an awesome <laughs> i game. i remember i remember that game yeah that game is awesome i had that game and i had the sequel um because that was just incredible um there were a couple of music games called space channel 5 which were awesome and i think that just got like a vr game or something in the series but i don't know how good it is or what have you but yeah um that was cool i mean it was it was definitely different and interesting and you know i miss games that were like that weren't afraid to do different things and i feel like gaming is so it's so different now and it's so homogenized and it's so like you know we got to make sure that this is the the thing that's going to sell like a bajillion copies because that's the only way we can stay afloat now um and i just feel like i feel like we're missing like that the quirkiness of the old school kind of gaming market but maybe that's just me well, that's, i don't know that's where something i like, I, I i feel you that, that's where something like death stranding feels so unique to me because it's just so out of yeah. the field it, it's yeah just, only someone like hideo kojima could say you know what let's try walking <laughs> let's walk for america <laughs> who wants to walk with elias yes okay. That's a that's a wrestling joke there. For the for the ten million people that didn't understand that joke. Um, <laughs> anyway, all right, guys. So we're at an hour and five minutes. So, what do you guys think? Is that enough for I, for this inaugural installment? I I feel really bad. Like just before we we kind of come to an impasse with this, I I completely forgot about the Arkham games. Ooh, Ooh, dude, you're right. You're right. Okay, but are you including Arkham Origins in that? You know what? It's a very flawed game, mm. but it's still got some good elements. E each of them, that... I think, has something to appreciate. Mm -hmm. Except for VR. That one is just, why, <sighs> what was that even? Ooh, I don't know, man. Like, I didn't even try that. I, I, yeah. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm an arkham shill i i was arkham asylum was basically almost the same thing as django for me it was my mm -hmm. very first game i ever got for the xbox 360 i begged mm -hmm. my folks to get me something like that and at the time i had a, a playstation 2 a gamecube and a wii mm -hmm. so that was like my first real big boy console mm -hmm. if you will and that and arkham city was like my that was the one the one game i stayed up for the midnight release for and mm -hmm. uh arkham knight i waited for years until i could play because i was so excited and i bought that and origins mm -hmm. at the same mm -hmm. time and i was more frustrated with arkham knight than i was with origins <laughs> okay the thing with arkham origins for me was that it had like a game breaking bug i think and it corrupted my save, if I remember correctly. Oh, no. So I had to go back and replay it. Yeah, I took a break for a while, and then I went back and replayed it. But I remember actually liking it after that. 
even like the voice acting was pretty good even though it wasn't like it wasn't our usual cast it wasn't mark hamill as the joker it was like troy baker and it was like roger craig smith as batman instead of um why am i blanking kevin on his conroy. name right now kevin conroy thank you I'd, why did i blank on that jeez it's been a long day guys um yeah. anyway so yeah uh who knew that sonic would be a good batman <laughs> right yeah yeah um but i thought that they actually got the dynamic down and the writing was actually surprisingly solid on that game so yeah i mean i i liked origins for what it was it wasn't as good as the other three but oh one thing that i thought uh was really good about origins was the soundtrack oh yes um christopher drake who I don't know what happened to him because he was doing like a lot of DC animated stuff and he was doing like, you know, he needed Arkham origins and stuff. I don't know what happened to the guy, but I thought his soundtrack on that was like amazing. Um, it was a little bit more intense than like, you know, whereas the, the regular, the Arkham trilogy kind of has that more like underlying sort of dread kind of soundtrack that goes through it. And then it gets like really exciting during the action moments. But, I mean, I love all the soundtracks for the games, but I just thought Arkham Origins, to me, kind of stood out a little bit. And um, one more game that I want to mention before we go off is Halo Reach. So many good Just moments. because I love that game so much. I love Halo Reach so much. And I'm glad that it got re-released recently because on the Master Chief Collection because it, it deserves the, the remaster. And it's... I think the best story out of all the Halo games. I, I just, I love the fact that it's, you know, I, I love me some tragedy apparently. So that was, that that is a tragic freaking like hero story. It was, it was so good. And uh, and graphically, like nowadays, you know, with the remaster, it, it looks great. So if you guys haven't given that a shot or if you're not a Halo fan, it's it's a difficult one to start with, maybe, but I would say it's definitely worth playing. Pretty, all right. Pretty fair, pretty pretty nice, and just you also can't compare with that multiplayer experience. <laughs> this is true. Hmm. I'm not really a multiplayer guy, but yeah, Halo Reach was definitely it was something. All right, Mike. Any final thoughts on the video game side, or? Um, I think I think I'm pretty much all set. I'm I'm probably the most casual gamer out of out of the three of us. Mm. So my my experience is mostly is mostly either secondhand or, you know, the occasional multiplayer. Mm -hmm. All right, so. All right, guys. So, um, what do we want to do here? You want to talk about your social media, um, in case anybody wants to get in touch with you directly, or? Hmm. Well, uh, well, you... you guys can find me on Twitter at Captain K Forty Two. I have a pretty rec a new Instagram, same same handle, and look for me on on Facebook and all the various movie groups. Um, including our own uh, Facebook group, Renegade Pop Culture. Just search for Michael K. Yep. And Josh? You, you can go ahead. If you want to stalk me, please don't. 
but if you want to talk to me like just, i i've started to be more active on twitter at uh at jsh lozano um i have an instagram at joshua lozano 64 i believe and i i rarely use that except just for posting really dumb stuff with my girlfriend um but where i really try to shine is my youtube account which is mm-hmm. josh boy 64 all of it lower which dude okay I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and give you a yeah I, i'm gonna give you a tip of the hat here because you did that marvel video you did that one scene kind of video <laughs> um and you chose like my favorite scene out of all the mcu for your video the, um, the vision and that scene, blew right? up the vision scene the vision and ultron yeah I, that is my favorite scene in all of the mcu and um just because it's like it's the hero and the villain just talking and i love that i love those scenes where like you can there's there's an underlying tension but at the same time it's after the big battle so it's like you know it's like ultron knows he ain't gonna win and he's just sitting there talking to the the one creature or the one character who will understand him the most and i thought you nailed that video and i thought it was just really cool watch man and uh and you caught like the zeitgeist that was happening at that time so you did a really good job and you deserve all the views that you got for that one that was amazing so just giving you some kudos there thank you Uh, i really wish i kept up with the the uploads but that was a really really uh rocky time at that point but at least i'm getting Mm -hmm. back into it yeah hey you know what and we might do some youtube stuff also with renegade pop culture so you know uh when the time comes we'll we'll look into that um did you want to um go ahead and just uh give out any more uh social media accounts or anything josh um really uh none off the top of my head that was pretty much it but um mm-hmm. i'll go ahead and if you don't mind like if you if you like any of the stuff that i do uh go ahead and check out a couple other uh youtubers uh just real quick like uh godzilla sure. mendoza he just finished doing a two-part series on comparing the ninja turtles from 2003 to 2012 um Ooh. it's a pretty good video series that he's been doing and it's great because me and my girlfriend are both turtle fans her more than yeah. me and um <laughs> who's her favorite turtle uh i believe Raphael. interesting mine was always donatello mine was my same um, isn't that strange <laughs> like yeah it... everybody's got their own yeah, everybody's got their favorite. You know what though? I never dressed up as Donatello for for like Halloween or anything, but I remember as a young kid I dressed up as Leonardo. He's got the sword. Yeah, cuz he's got the sword, so that's <laughs> why. Yeah. But but Donatello was always my favorite because he's like, you know, he's like the geeky one, the nerdy guy. Yeah. But he's also cool. He he's one like, of I us. Don't know. He is. Yes. And then, uh like just real quick and then i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna shut up don't worry um no 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 go ahead uh high top films uh he's very controversial with his uh, spider-man videos hmm. but i feel he he comes from a right place of critical analysis although he can't be hyperbolic at times like he did a video about how spider-man far from home broke him and i, I didn't think it was that bad but 
Yeah, I didn't think it was that bad. But his general thoughts on some of the stuff in the MCU and when he does love a, a superhero property, he's so passionate about it. He did a three-part series on the Raimi films and Ooh. of the Raimi Spider-Man movies, and there you could feel the love and effort put into his, each of the editing decisions that he makes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. finally, just... Um, a personal shout out to one of my closest friends on YouTube, Gwendolyn J. Uh, she mm-hmm. did uh, she did the same scene I did for the one marvelous scene thing, and uh, she has mm-hmm. her videos are great. She did a video on the happening, and um, she also did a video about her favorite films of twenty nineteen, and she's going to be coming back with a video about why DC is winning at the in 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 film now. I look forward mm. to seeing that one. That's an interesting topic, yeah. Definitely one we need to talk about on a future episode. Like, just DC yeah. in general. Well, it's, I mean, it's a post-endgame world. It's its DC's enchilada. It's the Wild West now. Dude, okay, so speaking of which, speaking of DC, this just brought something into my mind here, which is, what do you guys think of Dan DiDio, like, getting fired at DC Comics? It's in, it's interesting because we don't really know the details beyond the headline. Yeah. But it, it definitely it points in a very weird direction to me. Like, I don't know. I don't know where this is going, but it's an interesting story to watch. Like, I haven't... I'll admit I haven't seen so much of I haven't read so much of Dan DiDio's stuff. I know he was the creative editor, right? Yeah, he was the co-publisher. Yeah, and uh, and he wrote a few books in his tenure there. And I think I own his uh, like one volume of his blue, of his Booster Gold series. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really liked it, but uh, hearing that he got fired, and I'm of two minds: one that you know seeing just the overwhelmingly supportive uh 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 you know comments from all the comic book mm-hmm. artists and writers unless you're rob liefeld in which case you're unless you're rob liefeld yes but, yes um, and then hearing some of the stuff about what happened behind the scenes like that dan didio like basically created a toxic work environment and just a lot of workplace sexual harassment going on under his leadership mm. and g5 which yeah. i don't even know what that is it's like this i guess it's a new thing that he was trying to do where each of the legacy characters would be passed down to oh the, f- person. the yeah the generation five or, or 5g or whatever and, yeah, yeah. Five, 5g they called it 5G, but now they're changing it to Generation 5 or something because they don't want to be confused with Verizon or T-Mobile doing 5G. Which I was confused when I heard it because I thought, wait, is this like I was a like, is DC thing? going into, like, phone? <laughs> like, are they going to be a mobile carrier? And now, they're, now they're, they're apparently banking everything on Generation 5 or else yeah. they're going to shut down DC Comics. That That's last, the that last rumor, part I don't, I don't know. I, I don't really believe... Yeah, I hope it's not real because that the thought of DC Comics closing down 
well there's so much like there's a lot of conjecture and rumors going on yeah. right now like they're even saying that they might sell off the publish the publishing arm to marvel or to disney and let disney take care of the publishing and then warner brothers does all the licensing or something which uh that is a recipe for disaster that is the i mean disney's just gonna buy out dc then at that point or something i don't know but anyway it's it's a I mean, I, I sort of, like, I could see where that could be story fuel to have different legacy characters taking on the mantles. I mean, we've seen that before, but it probably wouldn't last. And I don't, I, it, it's such a, it's so strange. Like, are they doing that for new readers? Are they doing that for, like, what are they doing that for? Who, I, who I just, knows really it's so confusing and i'll admit i i'm i i there's part of me that wants to see it happen just to see what they do and there's part of me that's just like so confused by it and and doesn't know what to think they, so anyway it, it's just so weird and i and i'll admit i really don't know what's going on i've gotten most of this from bleeding cool so yeah i don't know if it's yeah. completely reputable but it seems to be the only news publication that I've seen actually talking about it and the implications. Apparently, they've they've run with it, and the beat has run with it a little bit. So it's it's been like you know there there are sources out there, and then with the firing of of Didio, it just makes it seem like I I just don't know. I mean, are they going to still do it? Are they not going to do it? I mean, Jim Lee apparently is going to be publisher from now on. And he's saying it's just business as usual. Poor guy. And he's going to continue it on. But I don't know, man. It's it's so... It seems really volatile, which is sad for me because I've really liked Rebirth. And I've I've really liked like what they've been doing with their characters. And most of the comics that I buy every week are, are DC comics, for the most part. Um, the only ones that I've been buying from Marvel with any kind of regularity are like the, the, the X-Men books, now under Hickman. Um, well, but I've heard good things about Chip Zartsky with Daredevil. Oh yeah, yeah, I have heard good things about that. Well, anyway, okay, so sorry. <laughs> no, no, we're good, we're good. Um, okay, so that was just a little bit of last minute, you know, a last minute topic there. Um, all right, guys, so. For me, if you are at all interested in um, following me on Twitter, my Twitter handle is at Keona Tang. So that's at K-E-O-N-A-T-A-N-G, all one word. And um, that's probably the best way to get in touch with me. All right. And uh, anything else you guys want to say before we go sign off here? Uh, Welcome to the Renegade Pop Culture. There you go. Welcome, renegades. All right. And we will talk to you guys again soon. And we will also have intro and outro music, hopefully. So this will be a little less boring. All right. And we will talk to you guys later.